Well, welcome back. Glad, uh, glad you're here. We missed you, at least sitting up there. Do uh, also, as Cedric mentioned, want to remember those who are worshiping in the, the woods. And what that also means is that oftentimes uh, we get a, a kid's guide. And so some of you may have gotten a kid's guide when you came in, if children came in with you. If it, the, the looks that I'm seeing on your faces, you probably didn't, and you're really wishing you had. <laughs> but uh, if you did, they're, they're for the children and for the young and for the the young at heart to follow along. If you do have one, you might find that, hey, I could use one of those every week. And uh, our uh, plan is to begin to provide some uh, children's bulletins uh, again. That's in the works. Let's pray together. Gracious God, again, we give you thanks for your written word. We give you thanks for your wisdom in calling us to gather Weekly, regularly, and in humility. And we ask that your spirit would indeed uh, teach and lead and and guide us and empower us um, with your truth. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Passage this morning is found on 1 John chapter 3 starting with verse 11. It's found on page 990 in your pew Bible. You can turn there or you can follow along um, on the screen. 1 John chapter 3, starting with verse 11 through the end of the chapter, verse 24. For this is the message you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. We must not be like Cain, who was from the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own deeds were evil and his brothers righteous. Do not be astonished, brothers and sisters, that the world hates you. We know that we have passed from death to life because we love one another. Whoever does not love abides in death. All who hate a brother or sister are murderers. And you know that murderers do not have eternal life abiding in them. We know love by this, that He laid down His life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for one another. How does God's love abide in anyone who has the world's goods and sees a brother or sister in need and yet refuses help? Little children, Let us love not in word or speech, but in truth and action. And by this we will know that we are from the truth and will reassure our hearts before Him whenever our hearts condemn us. For God is greater than our hearts and He knows everything. Beloved, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have boldness before God and we receive from Him whatever we ask because we obey His commandments and do what pleases Him. And this is His commandment, that we should believe in the name of His Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another just as He has commanded us. All who obey His commandments abide in Him, and He abides in them. And by this we know that He abides in us, by the Spirit that He has given us. This is the word of the Lord. 
Thanks be to God. Been doing a lot of reading recently just about the nature of the Christian church in America. It's a, a, just such a different age for the, the, the Christian church in America. One in which the, the, the church has been in a, a steady decline now for about 15 to 20 years in terms of numbers. Because the, the culture has changed and, and, and the church is, is trying to continue to do the work of proclaiming the good news of Jesus. And, and some of the, the stuff that I've been reading is saying one of the issues the, the, the church has to face is that it can begin to fall into the trap of the ways of the world. Uh, and the ways of the, the world in America today is being a consumer. We are formed by our surroundings. And what forms us today is making us a consumer, a purchaser of goods. And, and, and what being a consumer means is that it means I look for the best deal for me. And, 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 and some of the stuff I'm reading is saying, you know, churches can fall into a trap of becoming a religious shopping mall. They can become just sort of a dispenser of spiritual truth, which falls into the trap of uh, American consumerism, individualism. A, a biblically-based church, a biblically healthy church is not formed by a consumerism, but formed by community. Kevin Ford, who's the son of Leighton Ford, you've heard that name. He was the assistant for Billy Graham for a long time and also Dr. Graham's brother-in-law. Well, Kevin is, is Dr. Ford's son, and he's been doing a lot of work with, with churches in terms of uh, consulting and helping to address some of these issues. And this is one of the concerns that, that he raises along with many others. Because a, a biblically healthy church, he said, is one that is surrounded on community, on, on deep, caring relationships. Social connections between those who are fellow Jesus followers today and a common commitment to a mission together. As I read this passage, I, I thought of some of the things that I've been reading from some of these uh, church gurus and leaders and, and observers and recognize from John, as we recognize from Paul and Ephesians and from Jesus, that the call of God for, for the church in this age, one of them is to continue to move us from the American cultural focus on me to the biblical, heavenly focus on we. That's what John is talking about throughout First John and especially here. It is absolutely central to being a Jesus follower that we be a community together as a congregation of Jesus followers. I mean, in the first verse that we read, For this is the message you have heard from the beginning that we should love one another. This is not a new thing. This is not something that John has added on. This is something that you've been hearing from the beginning. You know, maybe he's referring back to Acts, you know, to Acts chapter 2 and 4, to the very beginning of the church. It's the way that we've always done it, is to love one another. 
Now remember the story of the church when the Spirit came upon us. You know, they, they, they were out in and among the people, but they were speaking in languages that they didn't even know so as to incorporate and include all that were there. And there were none, we're told, at the end of chapter 4 in Acts. There were none that had any need among them because they held everything in common. Maybe that's what John's referring to. It's been since the beginning that this is essential. This is part of the definition of church. If we're not doing this, then we're really not church. Maybe he was referring back even before that to the teachings of Jesus, where Jesus said things similar, that, that we were to love one another as he loved us. Or maybe even hearkening back to Adam and Eve, to that beautiful picture of community in the garden of Adam and Eve with their Creator God. They were naked and not ashamed perfect picture of community. We don't know, but we know what he's referring back to is this is is not an add-on. This is not a distraction. This is from the beginning. It's interesting in verse 12 that he does bring up Cain and Abel, which may be what he's saying the beginning is talking about Adam and Eve. Because he says here, from the beginning, church is to love one another. That's the way of God's people. And we've been doing that way since the very beginning. It's the way we've always done it. But look at the way of the world. He wants to set it aside. Here's a different way. And it's the way of Cain and Abel. It's a way of destruction. It's a way of hatred. It's a way of anger. It's a way of murder. The thing with John is he does not like the color gray. With John, especially in this letter, there is black and there is white. It is either love like Jesus or murder like Cain. And he doesn't find any place in between. So this is not a distraction. It's not an add-on. This is from the very beginning and it is clear that that loving one another is not the way of the world. It is the way of God's people. It's tied directly to salvation in verse 14. It is a clear sign of our salvation. Verse 14. We know that we've passed from death to life because we love one another. That's pretty clear. That's pretty distinct. These are one and the same element. When we pass from death to life in the, the, the blood of Jesus Christ, in the death of Christ, in trusting ourselves to Jesus, we pass from death, God's wrath, into, into life, God's pleasure. Because we are robed in Christ. Well, when we make that that move, when God moves us in the power of His Spirit from death to life, we move out of the way of the world into the way of love. You can't have one without the other. Verse 23 says basically the same thing. And this is His commandment. That we should... Commandment, singular that we should believe in the name of His Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another just as He has commanded us. One single commandment. John must have hung around Jesus a lot because Jesus did the same thing. 
Grammar teachers probably pulling their hair out. These don't know how to make things agree numerically, but you know the way of heaven isn't necessarily logical. These are one, and these are two hinges on the same door, two blades of a pair of scissors. They cannot be separated. Throughout First John, what John is telling us is that we salvation is a whole life application. Yes, it is necessary that we place our faith in Jesus and that is revealed and demonstrated in our relationship with one another in the church. That we are indeed, as we've been pursuing and praying and will continue to pursue, a community of people who are connecting to one another in Jesus, no matter our differences. It's not the way to salvation, Jesus is, but it is a direct result of true faith. As is commonly said in our Reformed circles, faith alone saves But saving faith is never alone. Faith alone saves. Faith in Jesus Christ is what moves us from death to life. But a faith that is truly in Jesus Christ is never alone. We connect with one another in Jesus not because it's our mission statement, not because it's some clever saying or uh, trying to have a unified message. We connect, we pursue intentionally helping one another connect with one another because it is absolutely necessary for the health of any any community of Jesus followers. If it's not here, then we are unhealthy as followers of Jesus. Now, most of that's not new. If you've been coming to worship gatherings anywhere where you're based on the scriptures, this is such a common message, you've heard it before. That if we are in Christ, it is central and integral that we love one another. But for us today, in our particular context, here on the corner of Hamilton and Gray Grosbeck. Challenges are great. And within our community, within our city, within our our nation. Because we, we now are really experiencing in the city all kinds of diversity. We are basically, we're now moving into the beginning part of the second generation of integration. It's really only been since the 60s, since the Civil Rights Act was passed, since it was legal to be integrated. We're in that second generation now. Most folks still say a generation is 40 years. In our context specifically, we're, we're no different. You know, we, we are now living into an age in the city where more and more different people gather together for different reasons. And we are starting to look more and more like heaven, according to Revelation 
7, when people from every nation, tribe, and tongue gather at the throne. But that's not easy. There's a reason that birds of a feather flock together. It's usually easier to, easier to hang out with people that look like us, act like us, think like us, have the same cultural background than we do. But what we are saying and what John is calling the church to, what Paul was calling the church to in Ephesians, is to be a diverse group of all kinds, Jew and Gentile, who are united by one person, Jesus Christ, as Lord and Savior. And not only united, not only integrated. I mean, society is integrated now. You know, since 1980, College Hill neighborhood, according to uh, um, uh, census, has been integrated. So is Mount Airy. So is Northside. 1990, Finneytown was officially integrated. I mean, so the the College Hill neighborhood and all the neighborhoods around it now, uh, according to census requirements, which mean no single population group has 80% or more. It wasn't until 1980 that the College Hill neighborhood met that requirement. And that's what we're facing. So it becomes more difficult to connect with one another because we're so different on so many Various fronts. It's why, as a church, then, we say that we're going to be intentional about connecting with one another. We're going to make effort to bring people who don't know each other, who aren't alike, into relationship with each other in the love of Jesus Christ. It was, it was, it was music to my ears after recently a new member class came before and presented to the congregation and I overheard someone say, man, these people don't look like me. I thought, that's awesome. That is the church at work because only Jesus can do that. Now, here's what I'm asking you to do. Pray that God will lead you to one person in the church you don't know. First, pray. God, lead me to somebody in the church that I don't know. Simply to to connect with them, to begin a relationship with them. Now, let me give you some suggestions here about after you've prayed to put yourself in places where God might be able to answer your prayer. I'm going to start at the top. This is a huge one. This is a huge sacrifice. Y'all, y'all don't apply to this one uh, this time because you've got to sit where Brian tells you to. <laughs> one Sunday a month, sit in a different pew. <laughs> Just glad I wasn't going to give it if it was a cloudy day. Yeah, I know it. Move from preaching to meddling, huh? One Sunday a month, try it. Sit in a different pew. Here's another one. Stay longer than the worship service. They got coffee and donuts in there. It's good coffee. They got tea. I like tea. 
Stay in there. Stay in the atrium. Sit down for a little longer after the worship service and see how God might answer that prayer. Now those are the two huge ones. You got in your bulletin here a whole list of of classes, opportunities, different groups, and and in the hot off the press. You you got all kinds of classes. There are ways to get connected with different people. You know, there's one easy way to get connected with other people. Hint, hint, blue robes. (laughs) And all kinds of different ways to... Take a step out to get connected to people that you don't know. Sunday school classes, Tuesday morning Bible study. We're going to hear at the end about the the band of brothers, a men's gathering every other Thursday morning. And a whole list, small groups, prayer groups, in which you can connect with one another and maybe meet somebody that you don't know and pursue a, a relationship. One of those classes is a connecting class. And in that class, what we are hoping to do, you've heard Mark Killian share about this, is, is to train some leaders for classes on connecting to start in January that we're asking and hoping for the entire church to participate in. Yeah, I know, it's, it's an act of faith. But what we need now are people who be committed to being facilitators in that class. So what we're starting now, and we start this Saturday with a listening class. Listening for heaven's sake. One of the, I believe, absolutely essential way to really connect with others is not to learn how to speak, but to learn how to listen. And it's always, especially... For preachers who make sort of, uh, uh, do a lot, spend a lot of their time talking, to be refreshed on how to listen, how to make the focus of my attention not to be understood, but to understand, so as to connect. So I, I'm really praying that God would raise up 30 to 40 people who would be facilitators for that connecting series and would participate in that particular class. And I ask you to consider if that's what uh, the Lord is leading you to do. And then, come January, we'll take it together. Because connecting across race, ethnicity, economics, generations is not easy. It's hard work. But one in which John clearly calls us to in Christ. Now, uh, verse 16 through 18, uh, John goes even further to say we're called to love one another. We we connect with one another in love. And this love is to love like Jesus. To love in deed, not in words. Verse 16, we know love by this, that He laid down His life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for one another. Don't you like connecting a little better now? Just getting to know someone? I told you, John, he he pulls no punches. No, what we are to do with one another is to love one another like Jesus loved us. How did Jesus love us? 
He was willing to sacrifice Himself for our benefit. That's really what Christian love is. That is the definition of Christian love. That we are willing to forego what we want, something that we feel benefits us, in order to benefit another. That's Christian love. We, we surrender what has value to us for what best we know enriches the life of another. And because that's how Jesus is, we are indebted to the same. We practice that in here. You know, I, I knew uh, when we were just singing, you know, we were just sing- some of you were clapping, some of you weren't, some of you liked clapping, some of you don't. It's always a good little metaphor and uh, opportunity of learning. One of our words, one of our phrases, is we become a, a community that is diverse yet unified in Christ. That in worship services, different people will act in different ways. And we will invite, even include different things in the worship service so as to try to broach that breadth. And what we say regularly is that all may, some will, but none must. All may, some will, none must. In our expressions as worship. And what I encourage people to do is, that, is to look for the ways that God is speaking to you that, that you connect with 75% of the time. The other 25%, if it's just not speaking to you, be thankful that it's speaking to somebody else. And then look forward to heaven because that's when it's going to be 100. I, I, you may even remember, it was my first sermon here that I promised you we would do that kind of thing. Promised you that we would do the kind of things that but some it would be meaningful to, others it would be not meaningful, maybe even hard to handle. But as part of a diverse community around Jesus, I told you, you know, for some I'll wear the robe, for others I will take it off, if you remember. And said then, for some, they love the robe and can't stand it not being on, others are just the opposite. It doesn't matter, robe or not robe, put something on. But Jesus is what unites us. Him and Him alone. So He's calling us not just to connect, but to love in a sacrificial way. And then finally He says, and you know what? This love that you show for one another is, a, is a, an assurance to you that you are in Jesus. This is good news when you love one another. By this, by what? Loving one another, verse 19, we will know that we are from the truth and will reassure our hearts before Him. It's not earning our salvation. It's assuring us of the salvation we have in Christ really has taken root. It really is growing. That's why I said when when somebody said that new members class didn't look like me, I'm like, awesome. That's the work of the Spirit. 
And, and that's why we can look around us and see the ways that that is the case. And be encouraged, say, wow, you know, God really is at work. I just went there because it was the thing I always did on Sunday morning. But lo and behold, look, God's at work in our midst. You can see it in organizationally as a church, as a deacon's fund, regularly is hearing of needs of people in the congregation and providing for those needs. Those who have been up lately, folks that have lost their job, folks that are, whose homes have been foreclosed, in need of financial help, in need of, of moving from the home that they've been foreclosed into others. And the, the deacons and those around them are there to help. The, the prayer team and the, the work that they do in, in, in intercession, lifting up one another. And then just simply in the, the organic ways that happens. That's even more exciting to me than the organized. Just the spiritual, just in the ways in relationship, just in the way that an elder is, has connected with a, a, a new member who has a lot of physical issues and that their family is, is just surrounded this new member and that they're giving of themselves to one another. A, a particular uh, relationship in the last three years of a black man and a white man who've been able to sit together as members of this church and really share with each other and they've shared me, with me their conversations, the way that they've learned and grown and experienced grace and mercy and truth that they never would have done otherwise. A, a deacon coming alongside a, a child who is coming as part of the community, part of the neighborhood, but just coming to church here and, and how they developed a relationship, big brother, big sister, and now the relationship encompasses the entire family. Truly loving one another. It was just a couple weeks ago that Alan McKinney, who's on the sound, I asked him if I could do this because I figured if I didn't, he'd just turn me off. The way that he shared the support that he felt from this congregation when we held a benefit in order to help provide some of the funds for his wife Jennifer's medical care. And he, he told me, you know, I, I still understand what's going on. I understand why Jennifer's going through this, but being part of this community has continued to uphold my faith even if I don't understand it. member also shared with me who is a, a widow and just shared with me the number of families in the, that surrounded her. And, and particularly a couple that would just come over and do some of the things that her spouse always used to do. To give their time and energy. And, and those are just the stories that I know. And every time I hear one of those, that is an act of assurance. Yeah, the Spirit is at work in spite of me. And we are indeed learning to love one another like Jesus. We don't try harder to love. We surrender to Jesus. We surrender to His Spirit because His Spirit is alive, working in us. So let me remind you, as we connect, especially you know, look at the opportunities of connection that are in your bulletin that are available. But 
please, first and foremost, be in prayer. Pray that God would would show you and lead you to another. Yeah, don't worry. A lot of times people don't do that. You know why? Because, well, they've probably been a member of the church forever. Well, that's okay. Just laugh about it. You don't know one another. Get to know one another. Even if you've both been around for 52 years. And ask, you know, what's, where's the place to sit? Where's the place to, to sip coffee? Where's the, the group? Just a step of connecting with one another in Jesus and then watching for what He will do as we continue to connect in Him no matter our differences. Amen.